Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohit Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things (laughs) aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Now or Never, the show that celebrates what it takes to try and reminds you that you are not alone when you do. I'm Trevor Deneen. And I am Ifi Chiwetelu. Trevor, when is the last time you got up the courage to just reach out to someone? Mm. The year was 1996, Ifi. Oh, boy. It was a, it was a Sunday. <laughs> it was raining outside. I... Yeah. I have no, actually, I don't have any clue. <laughs> I wanted to have a story, but I don't because there are a ton of people in my life that I would love to reach out to. I think about reaching out to people all of the time, and yet something stops me. I am the same. It's funny that we reach out to random people for our jobs, but personally, I think we both suck at it. What keeps you from actually going ahead and just connecting with someone? Oh, I have a list of excuses, like, at the ready. Whether it's, like, I'm too busy right now. What if it's awkward? What if they don't remember me? Uh, I don't have their phone number. How would I ever find them? Like, I can just rattle them off. I know, but you know what? The possibility of just meaningful connection, which can be so hard to find these days, or new friendships, maybe even romance. Isn't that worth the risk? Today on Now or Never, we're going to find out just that. Whether it's meeting one of your heroes. I'm feeling so excited. You know, I've watched her videos for so long. Yeah, it's crazy that she's here right now. My name is Spencer Barbosa. I have this fear that when people meet me, they'll leave being like, oh, well, she wasn't that nice or she wasn't as pretty in real life or something. But then it's like, if I'm just worried about people liking me, then I'm not even going to be myself. Or responding to an online ad. Does he looked tough, he looked really tough, and and I was like, the biker guy? Can I can I trust the biker guy? <laughs> I was like asking myself, what would a what would a Canadian biker guy want to do with an African student? Or trying to find a date. The women in my life are like, oh like, of course you would make a form <laughs> like that. Mm. And the men in my life are like, I'm making uh, relationships like more difficult, that I'm gonna turn men off. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's so silly. This is Now or Never. Do you uh, wanna hang out later? Oh, did you just reach out to me? No, I was talking to the listeners. Oh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I knew that. I, wasn't, I didn't get excited. Awkward. <laughs> Let's start the show. <laughs> Here's a question. Have you ever lost touch with someone who was really important to you? Like someone that meant something to you that was very special in your life? And despite your best intentions to stay in touch, lives just drift apart. And then one day, as years just pass on, their name just pops into your head. And suddenly, you were determined to find them. BC's Cheryl Taylor is in exactly that situation. So she reached out to us on social media, hoping to find 
Bert Yakachuk. So Bert Yakachuk was this amazing um, mentor, teacher, guidance counselor when I was in high school, really a big part of my life. And even after high school, I stayed connected for, you know, a short period of time. And then, you know, life happened and I moved away, probably somewhat thanks to him. I took off and did all this traveling and, and I've just thought about him so often. And I decided to reach out to him on Facebook and then I wrote him this nice long message and then I just sat and I never heard back and I thought, oh my God, like, is he gone? And then I was really like emotional. And then I just buried that because I didn't think I could deal with that. And so then when I heard your question, I just went, oh. I need to know. Why do you think that he stood out to you in your brain for so long? Yeah, well, he was just this amazing guy. Like I was in a very large high school and he was the vice principal. I was president of the student council. So Bert and I worked very closely together. And then when I was done high school, I was sort of betwixt and between. And he phoned me one day and said, hey, there's this position at this place. And I kind of went in the deep end there because I was like 18 and I was house parenting these kids who were pretty challenged at the time. And sort of through that year, I made a decision to go into psych nursing. And so, you know, that's that's a lot of influence for for one guy. What would you say is your biggest fear when it comes to kind of reaching out and getting in contact with him? Sorry. Just my biggest fear that I didn't do it soon enough. What if what if he is gone? Like what if what if he's died? And then I've already decided what I would do. I would I would write a lovely letter and maybe connect with his kids and his family so that at least they might have that information. I just yeah, I would I would feel a lot of regret and I'm working hard on trying to not move through the world and say no to opportunities that might invite regret. So that's why I reached out. And we really wanted to try and make that happen for you. Like we, we, we tried real hard. We like, we went, we dove through his Facebook pages. We reached out, phoned all the Yakachucks in the phone book. We, we called his old high school. We even went to the University Alumni Association and uh, we found him. He is alive and well. Oh and the way you led that, I was so sure I was going to burst into tears. <laughs> uh... Do you mind if he joins the call and then you get to chat with him? Oh my Here he comes. Oh my gosh. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hello. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to call you Mr. Yakachuk or Bert anymore. Well, I think Bert's fine. You know, after all these years, uh, you know, uh, where are you located? Oh my God, Bert, it is so good to see you. I am in the Comox Valley on Vancouver Island. Okay, you left for BC when you left here. 
Did you not? So I left um, in 1979 for a few years, and most likely due to you, I went on Katimovic after high school for a year. I realized how much I have to be grateful for to you through my experience with my own kids. And you were just always so supportive and had the best sense of humor and connected to, you know, not just the kids who were doing well, but I saw you connecting to kids who weren't doing well. And, and, and you were just a gift in my world. And you know, we moved to Regina when I was in grade nine, and I had to start halfway through that damn semester, and it was really hard, and Miller was such a big school, and you were kind of my anchor during my last couple of years there, and and so I just wanted to say thank you and let you know what a big impact you had on my life and how much I appreciate what you did. I'm touched. Uh... I, can, I have met many good memories of you too, you know, uh, to me, that was just doing my job. You know, uh, you were such a bubbly personality and had lots of potential. And, uh, I just wanted to help you, um, you know, on your way to a successful life. Yes. Well, it had a huge impact for it. I looked in the yearbook, uh, and your ambition in grade 12 was to hitchhike around the world and your probable fate. He got lost after hitting Lumsden. Lumsden is about 20 miles out of Regina. <laughs> well, so I'm you, really glad that I got a bit further than Lumsden. <laughs> that is incredible that after, what, like 45 years? He still remembers details from Cheryl way back when. And in the end, Cheryl and Bert were on the call for almost an hour, just catching up and reconnecting. Aww. I'm so glad that we were able to help make that happen. If you have a now or never moment that you're thinking about, that you want to do, but you just need that little bit of a nudge, you can always get in touch with us on social media or on our website at cbc.ca slash now or never. And if you want to see photos of Cheryl and Bert from back then and now, go and check out Now or Never's Facebook and Instagram pages. Oh, and just a just a quick shout out to some of my favorite teachers in the past. Miss Butcher, Mr. Carnegie, and Mr. Friesen. Hope you're listening. I can't decide what feels more nerve-wracking. Reaching out to someone from the past like Cheryl did, or doing what a friend of mine is in the middle of doing. Trying to connect with strangers. Karine Matelier has moved to Montreal with one main goal in mind, make new friends. Bonjour, hi. Bonjour, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's only been two weeks, but are you, are you missing Toronto at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my friends. I miss my friends, I do. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's it, yes. That's fair. That's fair. I, I love that you say you miss your friends um, because friendship is kind of the reason you left Toronto. It is very much one of the main reasons. Yes. Tell me what was missing for you here. Uh, 
it's really hard to pinpoint. I would say that Toronto never felt like home. I was there for at least seven years, six, seven years. So I, I feel like I gave it a, a good solid try mm -hmm. and it still never felt right. Yeah, because we're friends. I know that <laughs> a lot of that is about the community that's around you. Mm -hmm. What is the kind of community that you're looking for? Uh, I'm looking for people who not only are like-minded, but people that I can see uh, frequently. <laughs> <laughs> the laughter is because we're friends, but um, did we hang out that much? You no, don't know. No, we <laughs> but we have kept in touch quite a bit. Yeah. It's just, there's no resentment at all regarding people's lack of availability. But when you just feel like it's really difficult to see the people that you really care about and connect with them, um, especially in person, I think, you know, we're in this time where texting, calling, but I do think there's a lot of value in in-person connections. Yeah. You know, it's, I find it kind of interesting that you're saying this because my perception of how you moved in Toronto, I thought you were always doing that. Uh, no, I, I do know people here and there, and I don't know if I'm needy. Am I needy? Am I? <laughs> no. I, I just want more, uh, this, there's um, different levels of friendship and just because I happen to have someone to go to something with me or to invite them or vice versa doesn't mean that I have community. Mm. So there's like an intimacy of friendship and community you're looking for. Yes. Okay. It sounds really nice. And it, and it makes me think that um, maybe I need to change and make that more of a priority. What makes this so important for you? Uh... I grew up in the Caribbean, uh, in Haiti specifically. Um, and even though at the time it was relatively safe, uh, my parents operated in a very uh, paranoid manner and I was very sheltered and I spent a lot of time at home uh, if I wasn't at school. So just all that time spent alone like, created this desire for me to be outside and go to activities and connect to people. And then the additional layer was when we moved to Canada. We moved to Canada where we had no family and settled into Ottawa. And it just, I think there was always decisions that were made for me in terms of how I operate or where I get to be. And uh, I just wanted to now be in control of where I get to call home. Hmm. You, um, you've had time where you've had to like meet new people, make new community. Does the idea of that feel easy to you now? Or do you still get nervous thinking like, oh, I gotta, I gotta talk to someone or put myself out there to reach out? Uh, yeah, I still get nervous. I still get nervous quite a bit when I have to talk to a stranger. But um, how else are you gonna meet new people <laughs> you know there's always a beginning <laughs> it's great if someone can introduce you but otherwise you have to make the step yourself and it's not to say that I'm always just like okay I'm gonna talk to this person then I go sometimes I I chicken out and I say okay yeah then 
I'm gonna wait. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> drink something for courage. Yeah. <laughs> and then go. Yeah. Well, so what's your plan for Montreal? How are you planning to reach out and, and find your people? So I made a list of <laughs> all the events that are happening within the next two months um, by artists that I'd be interested in listening to live. Uh, I wrote down where the venue is, how much it would cost. I committed to some already. I booked the tickets. Ooh. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to go there and I'm going to go by myself and uh, hopefully make some friends. Yeah. If not, I'll at least have listened to some really good live music. What if you don't find the community you're looking for in Montreal? Mm, so far, I've got a good feeling from the place. Uh, so I'm optimistic and I'm also patient. I'm not expecting, you know, I have this list of events to go to the next two months. I'm not expecting to, okay, I'm going to find my tribe in two months or else, boohoo, I failed. Let me crawl back to Toronto. Um, it These things take time. A lot of the times it's by chance. I think it's important for you to enjoy where you are. Mm. Community is, is one aspect, but you have to, you have to make sure you feel like you are in the right place for yourself at this time. So uh, you have your events you're going to go to. When When's the first one? Tonight. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm going out by myself yeah. uh, to see an artist. Can I uh, ask you to do something? Sure. Can you send me a voice note while you're there and let me know how the the connecting and reaching out to people is going? Sure. Okay. I can do that. Thank you. Good luck. Have fun. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, V. What did you get out of this conversation? Are you actually going to now, you know, reach out to people more oh. and <laughs> putting I you in the hot seat? I am being called out. <laughs> you know what? You, I will say you are really making me think about why I don't prioritize this enough and why I let busyness take over. I'm, I'm sitting with that. Also, I host this yeah. show so I can cut that part out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've just arrived at the venue and we'll see how the rest of the night goes. Wish me luck. Corinne did send me a text message the next day saying that she met someone who seemed really cool but chickened out on asking anything <laughs> there will be many more opportunities for you Corinne good luck good luck Today on Now or Never, it's all about that delicate dance of reaching out to someone, which Alicia Bunyan Sampson is refusing to do. If you want to date her, she wants you to come to her. But first, fill out this form. So what 
I used to do for like a piece of time is like on Tinder or Hinge, when um, I would match with somebody and they would say like, hey, what's up? I would just send them the form. Like I just wouldn't say anything. And, <laughs> and so quite a few um, men were upset, like very upset. Like, who do you think you are? I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous. This is too much work, which is helpful because you're just not my type. <laughs> This is a bold approach to dating, and I am going to get into it with Alicia later on the show because I have questions. That's still to come on Now or Never. This is Now or Never. I'm Ifichiwetelu. And I'm Trevor Deneen, and today we are finding connection by reaching out. And I remember vividly growing up, and my folks would go every morning, and they'd get the newspaper, and they'd bring it home. So when I got up, I'd start rifling through it, go through the sports, the entertainment sections, and then I'd always linger for a long time on the classified sections, Evie, because they fascinated me. These were people that were putting themselves out there and reaching out, whether it was looking for jobs, looking for relationships, and a lot of times, looking for a place to live. Nowadays, Kijiji and sites like that have become the new classifieds. So when Saleh Akare moved from Nigeria to Kelowna to study, he was scouring the internet for a place to live. And that's when an ad by Bill Pittman caught his attention. Now, just a note, this story mentions thoughts of suicide. So please take care. He posted a picture of the house and said, I have a, um, I'm looking for like an international student to help um, find a place in Canada. For me, I thought, oh, I finally found a room that's really cheap. I'll go for it. Everybody's like, no, that's probably a scam. Don't go for it. It's pretty, it's too cheap. And I was like, yeah, it did sound too good to be true. Because, you know, when you want to make sure something is a scam or not, you check the profiles. I remember, like, looking at it like, biker? So there's Bill. Okay, so he got the Harley Davidson. He's like, he puts his hand on it. He's kind of like bending down with the bandana. He, he looks like he could challenge you to a, an arm wrestle and easily win you. That's, he looked tough, he looked really tough. And, and I was like, the biker guy? Can I, can I trust the biker guy? <laughs> and I was like asking myself, what would, a, what would a Canadian biker guy want to do with an African student? Like, in the head, I was like, don't you guys don't, you guys don't like Africans? <laughs> Bill, actually, when you get to meet him, he's a, he's a softie. My name is Bill Pittman. I'm 75 years young, and I host international students on their arrival in Canada. He's a softie, yeah, he's a softie. I mean, putting soft flowers on the table every morning, having spring onions in the garden, fresh tomatoes, doing all those, you know, garden work. Fresh flowers. Fresh flowers for someone that has a bike on his on his Facebook. I'm like, come on, come on. <laughs> Another international student, Depo Okeshala, moved in with Bill last week, and Sele has been there for more than a year. Now, in total, Bill has hosted 26 students over the past nine years, all of whom reached out and took a shot at living with a stranger. We always find a place. Um, I won't see an international student come here on a budget, arrive in August and pay $400 a night for a hotel. I won't have it. So 
we always make room. I was, I was married for 38 years and raised two fine sons. But my wife and I went different ways. <clears throat> my sons grew up. I woke up one morning all alone in a big empty house. It was, it was a solitary confinement. I was desperately lonely. I had the permanent solution in mind. I was, I was going to end my life. I had it all figured out how that was going to happen. This this loneliness is 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 the worst disease a person can have. We're not intended to to, to live solo, and it took me a it took me a while to figure out um, that. First of all, this addresses my loneliness. To hear somebody rattle pots and pans in the kitchen, or to hear the door close. Or people come and go, some simple humanity around me is very heartwarming and it's and it's um reassuring. You know, like I keep telling people when one door closes, another one opens. And one of those doors that opened was Bill's house for me actually. And that really from there, that is when things that really changed for me. Now I can say, Oh, I'm growing better. I'm get I know more because of him. I've improved financially and mentally and everything is like much easier for me now. Well, it's been very fulfilling, very rewarding. I have a purpose. I think a lot of senior people after they've raised their raised their children and maybe their partner has died, they don't have a purpose. They just probably struggle along day after day and eat and sleep and play uh, crib. I have a purpose. I'm busy all the time. It's kept me young. It's kept me healthy. And uh, sometimes it's pretty hard to find room for a quart of milk in the fridge. These two were out shopping last night, and now the freezer is... I think we could probably get a couple of toothpicks in there. (laughs) (laughs) Bill's story reminds me of something someone once said to me. They said, You need to create your own happiness. Don't look for it. Go out and create it. And that's exactly what Bill has done. And the house he lives in now, because of that, is a home once again. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. This is Now or Never, the Shoot Your Shot episode. I'm Ify Chiwetu. I'm Trevor Dean. That's how old I am. I've, I've forgotten about the term shoot your shot because it has been a decade and a bit since I shoot my shot. <laughs> well, think back. What was your move? What was your opener? Did you have a Did you have a thing? Uh, no, no. I wish I had a thing. I, I would have been better at it if I had a thing. Uh, I think my wife jokes me because she was friends with me long before we ever dated. And she would say that my thing 
was just sitting there and waiting for a woman to come up and talk to me and to, to chat with me. <laughs> like I was just very like that person. Well, you have a lot in common with our next guest then because she also mm. is waiting for people to come to her, except she has a Google form. A what? Sorry? You heard me. So you want to date me? If you found your way to this form, it means you have incredible taste. Congratulations. Time is precious, and so I am therefore deeply disinterested in spending a single moment sharing physical space with people who don't meet my base needs, which is why I created this handy-dandy form to determine whether or not we would be a good match. This form will also be helpful to you in getting to know more about the things that are important to me and my kick-ass sense of humor, so I feel like it's a win for everybody. Good luck, and may the force be with you. After years of online dating and wading through bad pickup lines, unwelcome messages, and horrible photos, Alicia Bunyan Sampson has decided to try something new. If you match with her, be prepared to answer around 30 questions. <laughs> what was the attitude you were in when you were like typing this out to potential suitors? Well, I was on every single dating app. And I kept on meeting like the same man. So I would like match with like a bunch of people and it'd be like the same kinds of conversations that would ultimately be a waste of my time. Okay. So were you like frustrated, pissed off, or were you thinking this is kind of hilarious? <laughs> I think both, mm. right? Like I'm I'm always frustrated with dating. So this is helpful for me in weeding out like the bull and also it's just fun. Yeah. Well, I need to get into this, yeah. get into the questions because you have almost 30 of them. Yes. This this has a lot of range. Yeah. Because you ask questions from like, what's your name? Mm -hmm. To questions like, how would you describe yourself? Which is a, a check all that includes everything from describing themselves as indica to romantic to being really bad in bed <laughs> yeah are you wanting honesty playfulness i'm wanting all of the things right like i think in all of the questions i'm i'm looking to like pull out a personality that you wouldn't necessarily see until like deeper into a relationship right and so the playfulness is a key part of it and also just figuring out where they're at. Yeah. There is some like sentimental questions on there, I would say. I mean, the possibility for sentimental, like this one, why do you want to date me? Mm -hmm. And check all that apply. I will have to say one of the options there actually gave me chills because you have so much hair and I would love to wash it for you. Like, oh. I just hear someone like whispering that <laughs> to the back of my neck on the subway or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it actually, so... In one of my relationships, the person washed, like, my metamorphs hair, and I didn't realize how much, like, I want somebody to wash my hair. Like, oh, I've okay. never had anybody wash my hair before, and mm -hmm. so it's like, oh, I'm jealous. I really want that in a relationship. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to tell you my honest reaction when I saw this form. Tell me. I thought... Oh, this is somebody who has been through something. <laughs> I think I assumed that, you know, there was some stuff perhaps that, that led to like, I really need to put this out there and to weed it out from the beginning. So I'm going to ask, like, was was there a moment? Was there a relationship? Was there an experience that that made this necessary for you? I have had horrific dating experiences. 
I had like a really like significantly like a abusive relationship mm. and um I think it frightened me right like it made me like afraid to date and I saw myself just like isolating myself and isolating myself like more and more like after that relationship and so I'm like how do I how do I create spaces of like safety for me right where I know the baseline of what I'm dealing with. Mm. I, yeah, I'm at a place in my life where I don't think I can handle any more big surprises. Mm. And so, the yeah, the form is really about big surprises. How have the people in your life responded to this form? Like friends, family, whoever, have they been like, okay, this is just Alicia being Alicia? Are they like... Not a fan. What What are some of the reactions you've received? Well, it's gendered. Mm -hmm. So the women in my life are like, oh, like, of course you would make a form <laughs> like that. Yeah. And the men in my life, and this is this has just been a thing, like, that I'm making uh, relationships, like, more difficult, that I'm going to turn men off. My standards are too high. That's a that's a fan favorite. They mm. love that one. What's your uh, reaction to that? It's ridiculous. It's 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 so silly. Cause like, what are you saying about me, right? Like, so I sh I shouldn't have high standards. Why? Mm. Why not? But I think a lot of men in my life, I think, have a problem with me being polyamorous, right? And being like very vocal about being polyamorous. I feel like they resent it. And I think whenever I do a thing like a form or something else, they, there's like this desire within them to like make me smaller. Right. Like you're you're too big. You're too loud. You're too you're just too much. So let me check you so you know that you're small. This form is not the only way that Alicia is putting herself out there. She has a popular Instagram account where she opens up about some of her identities. Your, your handle online and in so many spaces is polyamorous black girl. Yeah. You lead with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll admit that I have had stereotypes around what it means to be polyamorous. Mm -hmm. And I think I've assumed it to be just that this means that someone is very open to almost anyone coming mm -hmm. in and out and that there isn't like they're not looking for like a real commitment. They're more mm -hmm. looking to just like spend time or have or be more casual with each other. Mm -hmm. In what ways have you, have you felt misunderstood in that way too? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. All the time. And that's part of the reason why I chose that handle. Like when I did, right? Like polyamorous black girl, because I think all of those identities are in like direct conflict with one another. And Which they're... polyamorous being black and being a girl are all in conflict. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like to, to your point about like assumptions, people make a lot of assumptions about polyamorous people, like period, right? Like that we're promiscuous, that like we're just like having sex, climbing the walls. And then I think black, right? Like black people, there's a, a myriad of, of stereotypes about who and how we are, right? And black girls that, again, that we're over-sexualized, that we're harlots. You know, I get the the homewrecker thing all the time, right? Mm. And so you fuse those things together. It's like I'm a perverse, horrific person, mm. right? I get that a lot, and it is Where are you getting that from? Like in the forms or— is that do you notice that intention when people reach out to you? They're expecting someone who's like perverse and gonna climb walls? Yeah. 
I'm always having to to navigate like this idea of me, this perception of me that like I haven't put out into the world, which is part of the reason why I am so like outspoken about my experiences because I want people to to get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want this space to be myself. Yeah, like a polyamorous black girl can be so many different things, right? Like I can be sexual, non-sexual. I can be interested in deep nesting commitment or not. Well, this this uh, forum you have has really facilitated people reaching out to you. Mm-hmm. But how many times are you shooting your shot and and putting it out there? Why did your shoulders go up? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, <gasps> yeah, yeah. Um, I had a nerve there. Um Okay, so to answer your question, rarely hmm. ever. Hmm. Because I feel like this is going to sound like some type of way, but I just feel like I'm a big deal. <laughs> Tell me more. So, okay, that used to be the vibe. You know, I go out, like shoot my shot, slide in DMs, like all of that stuff. But I feel like I'm pretty like exceptional. So people, the people should come to me. Yeah. Yeah. Can I challenge that a little bit? Of course. Is there any part of you that's also like a little weary of doing it? hundred percent. Like that's the root of it. Of course. (laughs) I mean, definitely. I mean, I think I'm, I'm still afraid, right? Relationships are a risk. You can be destroyed. I've been destroyed several times over and um i've survived and i just would like to keep most of me intact you know what self-preservation mm-hmm. it's important yes well i want to i want to ask you one final question okay and that's a question from your very own form oh uh, i want to ask you because this is an opportunity to share with the people who might be like, oh, I'm getting inside details oh, on how, how to get with Alicia. <laughs> One of your questions asks, where would you take me on our first date? So I'm going to ask you, where would you take someone on a first date? So what I would do is first take them to the thrift store and we pick out outfits for each other. Ooh. And then we go bowling. Oh, <laughs> in those outfits. <laughs> yeah. If you get that verbatim answer to that question on your form, tell them thanks for listening to the CBC. Yeah. <laughs> we get married. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Alicia. Thank you. This is so much fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start a form. You should. <laughs> you are so not starting a form. Absolutely. (laughs) It is not my style, but I I love that she has found something that's working for her. This is Now or Never. I'm Trevor Deneen. And I am Ifi Chiwetelu. And just give me a second here, Ifi. I'm just checking on someone who's very important in my life here and uh they had a bit of a hamstring injury and i'm just uh oh yeah just making sure they are okay oh i'm sorry to hear that who is it just christian mccaffrey's a running back for the san francisco 49ers and uh i check in on him daily because he's part of my fantasy football team and i need him to do well and if he doesn't do well then 
my weekend doesn't go well and there's just this whole thing that kind of happens with it but like he's a bit he's a big part of my life and uh and here yeah. I thought you were checking in on like a good friend, someone who maybe also knows you exist. Oh no 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 no! This is uh, this is someone who has no idea that I exist at all, but uh, means the world to me every single Sunday, and uh, <laughs> so much so that like I played fantasy football for years, and like two years back there was a player I had on my team who literally went online and tweeted, "I don't care about your fantasy football team." And it hurt me. Like, I was actually bothered by it. I thought he was talking directly to me. Like, I almost benched him that week. I was like, how dare you say that to me? That's how That's how personal I take these things. <laughs> well, Trevor, you have a lot in common with the people lining up just outside this venue. Hi. You're very pretty. Your hair looks Thank so you. Cool. Look at so you. Standing in a line, snaking down the sidewalk in downtown Toronto, teens and 20-somethings are patiently waiting to meet someone they feel like they already know. These are 10 things that I literally wish somebody told me before high school. Hi, I'm going to be your big sister today, and I'm going to be brutally honest. Mean girls are just insecure. Let them be rude. Let At 20 years old, Spencer Barbosa has built a social media empire spreading a message of self-love and body acceptance that has attracted millions of fans across Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. She's become an internet best friend to so many people. But today, some of her followers are going to meet her in person for the very first time. And believe you me, they are nervous. I do have a few insecurities and I feel like I'm slowly trying to like embrace them. Like, I don't know, like when I get up in the morning, I just think about everything that she says to me. I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I can do this too. She makes me feel like I can do anything and to not be afraid of who I truly am and to not try to be anybody else. I'm feeling so excited. You know, I've watched her videos for so long and to finally meet her, we didn't even know we were going to meet her just sporadically. So it's very exciting. Yeah, it's crazy that she's here right now. I'm very excited for sure. Yeah. I'm really nervous to meet Spencer. I'm probably going to start stuttering, but like I really hope I don't, hopefully I don't cry. <laughs> I'm really nervous, like I'm actually shaking. <laughs> I'm really excited. When I see Spencer, I'm going to tell her how much of a role model she is in my life and how much she impacted me. Just thank you for everything that she's helped me with and I love her. <laughs> I'm going to give her a big hug. <laughs> it's not only the fans that are feeling the jitters. My name is Spencer Barbosa. I am so excited today. I have a meet and greet and I get to meet some of my followers. I'm anxious to be in a meet and greet. I'm obviously so excited and nervous, but at the same time, like I have this fear that when people meet me, they'll leave being like, oh, well, she wasn't that nice or she wasn't as pretty in real life or something. But then it's like, if I'm just worried about people liking me, then I'm not even going to be myself. Because I always ask my friends, like, is what I post online what I'm like in real life? And they're like, you are literally the exact same person. And that's where it kind of becomes an issue because I'm like, who am I? What am I not posting? Because I'm posting every single part of my personality online, so what do I keep private? What do I not post? Because when I first started posting these like really vulnerable insecurities that I had, it was terrifying. Like I would just post it and turn my phone off. I'm like, I don't even know, like I don't want to know what people are saying. Sometimes I forget after like doing this job for like it's been three years now, sometimes I forget that it's not normal to wake up and like see hate comments. Like just hundreds of hate comments or mean DMs, like that's not normal. And the hate used to really bother me and I used to start to believe those things or if people are saying that I need to work out then I'd be like, okay, I need to work out. But then I realized I'm working out for the wrong reason. Now I've definitely gotten thicker skin after just having those comments because now I'm like, I feel like I've heard everything. Like what else are people gonna say? 
I don't think of myself as like an idol to anybody. I still feel like I'm just like the weird girl in high school who's getting bullied. Like nothing's changed of me. So it feels weird to think that I could be someone's idol. I feel like I could only have idols. Thank you so much. Bye. Nice to see you guys. Incredible experience. I'm still shaking afterwards, but it's awesome. Yeah, she's doing a lot of good. She said that was so cute, so I really loved her. I gave her a hug, obviously. I, was, it was, I think that was the best moment of my life, to be honest. Trevor, what would you do if you uh, got to meet Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> I would uh, <laughs> I'd ask him for some of my money back over the years that I lost <laughs> in fantasy football. <laughs> he owes you nothing. <laughs> You did that to yourself. I know, I know. Never meet your idols. If you are struggling to reach out to someone, whether that's someone in your life or someone new, I think we've come up with the perfect conversation opener that can work in any situation. Yeah, we have. We've talked long and hard about this, and we think we found out like the best option. So are you ready for it? Hit them. What's your favorite podcast? Ugh, it's perfect. Boom. You get a chance to find out something about them, like their interests, and if they know what a podcast is. And then you can share something about yourself, like what you listen to, and then, you know, slide them a link to Now or Never. And if, if you really want to, though, you can share one of the episodes that we did, you know, whether it be like, you can ask them like, oh, is there anything in life that you're like really just kind of like, kind of like half-assing it on? Well, guess what? We have a mediocrity episode that would be perfect to motivate you to not give it your all. There you go. And if it's someone that you need to like rekindle the friendship with, listen, we have those rekindling relationships through all our seven seasons. Yeah, basically anything you were going through in life, there is an episode for that. So just search for Now or Never wherever you download your podcasts and check it out. And you know what? If you want to leave a review, you know, we wouldn't be mad about that. It's a great way to reach out to us. Yeah. Like, we, we, we accept those. This is Now or Never. And you know, the hesitation that most people have when it comes to reaching out is that you don't know what is going to happen. It's a big risk. But some of the biggest risks have the greatest rewards. And sometimes it starts with a random act of kindness to a complete and total stranger. So my name is Danielle McDuff. And I met Brian on the side of the road. Uh, he was sitting there reading and collecting spare change. I was uh, down on my luck. Didn't care about life anymore. Didn't think anybody cared about me anymore. Until Daniel came to stop and talk to me one day. And she came back the next day and offered me a job at the farm. And it's changed my life immensely. Brian Bannister has been through a lot in his life. Over the past 60 years, he's overcome addiction, abuse, and the loss of two wives, one in a car crash and the other to cancer. For the last couple of years, he's been homeless, sleeping outside or in a small shed. Now, lots of people saw Brian on the street, but not many took the time to stop and talk. Even Danielle admits it took her some time to strike up a conversation. So... I seen Brian, I would say, quite a few months before the day that I stopped. And the day I did stop, um, I was heading out to get coffee for the other staff. And I just said to myself, like, 
I have five minutes, you know, like I got to make five minutes to stop and, and kind of ask this man what his story is and, and why he's there. I didn't care about my life. Well, I let things go too far. And then when she let it go too far, there was no turning back. I had no identification, no money coming in. My day was filled with dread, anxiety, not knowing what's going to happen next. Yeah, it was very hard and very emotional and didn't know where to turn, who to ask. And I just gave up life until Danielle came and uh, gave me a helping hand and a hug. I think there was a sense of guilt on my part, you know, that I had passed him so many times and I didn't make the time to stop. And he just seemed so alone. And his head was always down. He was always reading. Oh, I do a lot of readings. You know, it's the way I was brought up. To learn to read, it keeps your mind busy. Makes it, you know, you're not, you're not feeling so dreary. You know, and, and I asked uh, quite a few people if they knew anything about Brian, and everyone said he was very kind, uh, he never bothered anyone. So I just felt it was almost my duty as a human to stop and and conversate with him and, and learn a little bit more about him. And I'm very, very thankful that I did that. So am I. <laughs> a lot of people just keep walking by. I was very, very surprised, and I'd like to have someone to talk to. It's very uplifting and very emotional. I think we talked about the farm a little bit. Yeah, yeah we yeah. talked about the farm a little bit, and she asked me if I would like a job working on there a little bit, a few hours a day. And anything was better than sitting on a pail with being lonely. Well, you were pretty excited. You jumped right up off of there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was pretty excited. I was really excited. Someone gave me a lifting hand and a job. The next morning, that's all I was praying is that I hope she comes just so I can get off the street a little bit and be warm and get something to eat without having to sit there on a pail. Danielle did show up, right on time at 8 a.m., and Brian was there waiting. The two chatted on the drive and stopped for some coffee before eventually arriving at Danielle's family farm. Uh, it was amazing. My first, uh, when we were pulling into the driveway, looking at the cows and the horses, oh, brought back memories from when I was young. The part that I like most about it is I'm with the animals. Did you feed Miss Daisy, Brian? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. A couple of the baby goats I feed by bottle. <laughs> little Stanley and little baby. When you call them by their names, they come right to me, just like a little dog. <laughs> and in a long time, it's, it's been since I've actually had the chance to help some, some, someone else or another animal. It makes me feel good. Because I know what it was like not to have anybody care for me. Looking after the animals, hey, getting to see Danielle every day and her husband and her kids. Hey, it brings your spirits up. You're helping yourself and you're helping everybody else. Gives you a, a sense of emotional strength. As Brian reacquaints himself with farm life, 
He has also been adjusting to a few other changes as well, thanks to a fundraising campaign and an outpouring of support from Danielle and the community. I rent a room in Bowmanville, thanks to Danielle here. She helped me right out. And I like living there. I like sleeping in a bed. It was scary out there. You never know what was going to happen to you. Sleeping in the snowbank or in my little shed. It's a great feeling not having to worry. I feel right now very comfortable. The, the, the community has just been absolutely incredible. They've gone above and beyond. And Danielle has helped me right out with the um, getting some identification. I even got a bank account now, which is a big thing. And she, I didn't really have one. She arranged for me to have a haircut. I was just so shocked. It wasn't funny. So happy and shocked. You were nervous. Oh, I didn't <laughs> you wouldn't believe. Wow. Did you ever look handsome after? <laughs> a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> big difference. I couldn't believe all the hair that was on the ground. Oh, yeah. And having a cell phone, that was a... Uh, Something I never expected to have. Well, I thought it was funny the first time my Daniel phoned me. I couldn't get, the, I couldn't figure this thing out. No, you still kind of struggle with that. But... Oh yeah, <laughs> we're getting there. You are doing better. <laughs> it's too many, too many buttons. Yeah, <laughs> it's overwhelming every day. You know, something new comes up and it makes me even happier. The anxiety level is. Well, it's still there, but it's not as uh, strong as it was before. Life has a purpose. I didn't think I had a purpose before. You definitely have a purpose. Yes. You always did. We have, I think, a great friendship. Yes, we do. I've said to him many times, we're not friends, we're family. <laughs> I look at a person who starting over life again and would like to continue and do better and then maybe help some someday down the road help someone else that was in the same position as I was and you will you will pay forward you will every day I try I love you <laughs> I love you too if you want to see photos of Brian and Danielle on the farm with the goats, you can head on over to our Now or Never Facebook and Instagram page. You can also read more about the two of them if you go to our website at cbc.ca slash now or never. If you are waiting for a sign to just reach out, to shoot your shot, to try a thing, do it. Do it now. Tell them Now or Never made you do it. Oh, you've just inspired me to reach out. Don't know who, to who. To who? Everyone. I'm just going <laughs> to, my whole evening tonight is just me reaching out to folks. Travis going to pull out his phone book from 10 years ago. Just pick a number. <laughs> Any number. <laughs> I'm going to start with all of the producers on our show who do a great job every single week putting the show together. Andrew Friesen, Bridget Forbes, Betsy Trumpner, and Katie Swales. We will reach out to you again next week. Take care, everybody. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.